Well, the words of the hymn that our orchestra just played, God of Our Fathers, remind us that we are not the first to worship the God that we worship, that He's been worshipped by generations that have gone before us, and we are certainly thankful for spiritual fathers. And also, uh, this holiday weekend, Memorial Day weekend, we're reminded that there are others who have served uh, our nation and that we are uh, the beneficiaries of their service. And so, as we prepare to look at God's Word together this morning, let's pause and voice uh, a prayer, uh, lift Lifting up families, especially of those that have lost loved ones, and as well lifting up those that are serving this nation. So let's bow in prayer together. Father, we do come before you this morning, and we thank you that you are a God who uh, is eternal, that you are the sovereign God, that you have existed from eternity past, and Lord, that you will exist uh, into uh, eternity future. Father, we thank you for the opportunity of knowing you. We thank you for others who have gone before us and passed on faith to us, faith in you to us. And Father, we also thank you for those that uh, have served us as citizens of this nation. Father, we thank you for those that uh, have put their lives on the, on the line so that we could have uh, freedoms and privileges that we enjoy as citizens of this nation. And so, Father, we lift up uh, those that are serving this country. Father, we pray that you would protect them, that you would watch over them and care for them. And we pray that there perhaps would even be many who through their service come to know you. Father, we also pray for families of those that have lost loved ones serving this nation. Father, during this holiday weekend, we pray that your presence would be a, a comfort to them, that the hope of knowing you would be felt. And it's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. I want to begin uh, this morning by posing a question to you, and that is this. Is your life going according to plan? Said another way, uh, are you doing the things and enjoying the experiences that you envisioned yourself doing 5, 10, 20, 30 years ago? I'm going to venture out on a limb this morning and uh, bet that most of us have experienced a few twists and turns and bumps and bruises along this journey of, of life. In fact, uh, tomorrow is Memorial Day, and for some, perhaps uh, an interruption in your life came through the loss of a loved one. Perhaps even for a few, the loss of a loved one serving this country. Perhaps... For others, after years of preparing for a certain career, you stepped into that career and suddenly realized that this was not for you. Maybe still for others, after many years of marriage, you woke up one day and you thought, who is this person that I am married to? Maybe for some parents, it's who is this child I have raised? Maybe for some students, uh, where can I find my place to fit in? Well, even though your life may not be and may not have gone according to your plans, there is a God who desires to work his purposes in your life according to his plan. And he is a God whose presence is with his people and his presence works by the guidance of his spirit to, to lead people to know and to walk with him and to enjoy the privilege of knowing him and if you know this God, if you know the one true God revealed in the scriptures and through the person and work of Jesus Christ, if you have ever felt the depth of his love for you, then you long for the day that he will return to take you to be with him for all of eternity. 
the reality is that according to God's word, though he is coming and though we tend to wait, he is not faithful in fulfilling his promise of returning for his people. He is not slow in fulfilling that promise as some of us understand slowness according to Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. But he is patient with us because he does not want anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance and faith in him. You see, we often walk through this life and navigate the circumstances of our life through the lens of a microscope while God is working and operating through the vantage point of the mountaintop. Though your life may seem out of control, may appear chaotic, God wants us to know, He wants you to know that He is still in control, that He has always been sovereign, that He will always be sovereign. But even so, He knows that we need assurance from Him from time to time. We have a tendency to question and to doubt and to wonder, and so He desires to provide us assurance of the path ahead. He desires to provide us as his people of assurance that he alone is God and that he is working and that he is operating in order to fulfill his promises and to carry out his plans, plans that involve us. And so as we open God's word this morning, we will see that God provides assurance that encourages faithful living. God is a God who provides assurance to his people that encourages his people in faithful living living. I invite you to open God's word with me to Genesis chapter 45 as we look at a character, the man Jacob, who experienced a dramatic change of events in his own life that led him to need some assurance from God. He needed to hear from God. He needed to know that God was with him, that God was still working to bring about his plan for him, that God had not forgotten him. He needed some encouragement from God and he got just such Encouragement. So as you find your way to Genesis chapter 45, I hope, uh, I hope you're enjoying Genesis as much as I am. I know we've been in and out of it for quite some time now, but uh, at this point we see the light uh, at the end of the tunnel of this important first and foundational book of God's Word. We'll be in Genesis for about another month. We'll finish up, the Lord willing, the end of June, and then we'll spend some time during July in a short mini-series looking at key passages from the book of Revelation. But as you find your place in Genesis chapter 45, let me invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. If you remember the story, Joseph has now been reunited with his brothers after many years apart, sold him into slavery, ended up in Egypt, and they travel to Egypt during a severe famine and unknowingly encounter the brother Joseph, who has finally made himself known to them and instructed them to go home to Canaan, to gather their families, to gather their father Jacob, and to come back to Egypt for the remainder of the, fl- of the famine where they will be well taken care of. And we pick up the story in chapter 45, verse 16. And there God's word reads this way. When the news reached Pharaoh's palace that Joseph's brothers had come, Pharaoh and all his officials were pleased. Pharaoh said to Joseph, tell your brothers, do this. Load your animals and return to the land of Canaan and bring your father and your families back to me. I will give you the best of the land of Egypt and you can enjoy the fat of the land. You're also directed to tell them, do this. Take some carts from Egypt from your children, for your children and your wives and get your, fa- your father and come. Never mind about your belongings because the best of all Egypt will be yours. 
So the sons of Israel did this. Joseph gave them carts as Pharaoh had commanded, and he also gave them provisions for their journey. To each of them he gave new clothing, but to Benjamin he gave 300 shekels of silver and five sets of clothes. And this is what he sent to his father, 10 donkeys loaded with the best things of Egypt and 10 female donkeys loaded with grain and bread and other provisions for his journey. Then he sent his brothers away. As they were leaving, he said to them, Don't quarrel on the way. So they went up out of Egypt and came to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive. In fact, he is ruler of all Egypt. Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. But when they told him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the carts Joseph had sent to carry him back, the spirit of their father Jacob revived. And Israel said, I'm convinced my son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we do invite you. We ask you to lead us, to guide us by the presence and the power of your spirit as we seek to discern truths from this passage in the context of your word that would apply to our lives as your people today. So lead us that we might be found faithful, that we might be changed for your glory. And it's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Some of you here this morning may remember January the 20th, 1981, the day that 52 hostages were released from captivity in Iran after 444 days of tense and uh, difficult and long negotiations between the United States and the country of Iran. And we can only imagine what that must have felt like for families and friends of those hostages as they were reunited after so long apart. The emotions they must have felt as families heard that their loved ones were finally being released and they would be reunited must have, to some extent, uh, been what Jacob felt at this point in this story. After over 20 years of believing that his beloved son Joseph has, has been killed, jo- Jacob now hears that his son Joseph is alive. And not only is he alive, but he is in a very good position. He is the right-hand man of the king of Egypt. All sorts of things. This is an incredible turn of events in this particular story. And Jacob cannot believe his ears when his sons began to tell him this news. In fact, the scriptures say that Jacob was stunned. He did not believe them. It wasn't until they told him everything that Joseph had said and saw the carts that Joseph had sent to carry Jacob and his family down to Egypt, did he finally become convinced. And I love verse 24 of this story. When Joseph is instructing his brothers, he's sending them off back to Canaan to to gather their families. And He doesn't say, see you soon, take care, be careful, goodbye. He says, don't quarrel on the way. Don't fight. Don't squabble. Go and get your families, get our father Jacob, and come back to me. This is a man with a plan. This is a man who has already, by the grace of God, forgiven his brothers for what they have done to him. This is a man who wants his brothers also to look beyond their past mistakes and see how God is using these events to bring about their good and to fulfill his plans. This is a man who exemplifies the instructions 
that are given Christians in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, where we, where we read, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Joseph has forgiven his brothers. And now he is sent with the king's approval and authority, all sorts of provisions for them. If nothing to fear because he has forgiven them and because he has given them far more than they could ever ask or imagine. And this is like what God has done for us through Christ, is it not? There's a far greater Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who also has forgiven us and has given us far more than we could ever ask or imagine as His sons and daughters of God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, as those who have been reconciled to the one and only everlasting Father. But even so, Joseph here in this story knows that his brothers have a difficult task ahead. They have to go, and now they have to go tell their father what they have in fact done to Joseph. That Joseph was not killed as they have led him to believe for these many years, instead out of hatred and jealousy selfishness and greed. They have sold their father's beloved son, Joseph, as a slave in Egypt. But even so, God has brought great good out of these circumstances. Through these events and through these people, God is working to convince and to encourage this particular family to follow him. Church, God works to encourage his people to respond to his plans. God works to encourage his people, us, believers, people of faith in him, to respond to his He doesn't desire for us to be in the dark about His will. It's not some mystery that we have to find. He has made His will known to us through His Word. And He desires us to know Him and to follow Him and to be led by Him. He desires to be known by us. And we cannot read this story. We cannot rightly understand this story uh, through the lens of mere coincidence. This is far more than Joseph and Pharaoh having uh, compatible personality profiles. This is far more than Joseph and Pharaoh uh, coming together over some like interests and becoming best of friends. No, this is the sovereign hand of God working through events, working through circumstances to give Joseph favor in the eyes of Pharaoh, ultimately so that God will use Pharaoh to care and to provide for the descendants of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in order to Create and call and redeem a people to be his people. God is fulfilling his plans. But I wonder, I wonder, friends, how often we miss the hand of God. I wonder how often we fail to see the work of God in our own lives. Working through people and circumstances to bring about his plan for for us. When I tell people about my own faith journey, I often convey the gradual unfolding of God's plan in my life, at least how I have understood it. I remember as a senior in high school, determining for a variety of reasons to attend Washita Baptist University. And then several months later, before beginning college, I remember sensing what I understood as God's call in my life to vocational church ministry and After many years of traveling and competing in tennis tournaments, I decided not to pursue uh, playing tennis anymore, to hang that up, not to pursue playing in college. But after 
deciding to go to Washita, the tennis coach contacted me and asked me to come out for the team. And it was only in after many months, in fact, even after years, that I was able to look back and, and able to look back and see how God was putting me in a place to study Christian ministry, to fall in love with His Word and putting me in a place to practice relational evangelism and to develop a heart for the nations of the world as the only evangelical Christian and the only American on a tennis team of guys from Venezuela and Spain and Uruguay and France and Sweden and the Czech Republic whom would become my best of friends who I would spend hours with day after day after day. That's certainly only a portion of my story. And perhaps you can look at your own life and see how in retrospect, God was working through events and circumstances to bring about His plans and His purposes in, in your life. But as people of faith in the faithful God who is working to bring about the fulfillment of His plans, let's learn to observe how God is working. Let's learn to observe how God is working. Let's learn to look for how God is working because the truth is God is working. God never stops working. He is faithful in doing what He has said He is going to do. So when circumstances in your life don't appear as you think they ought, when trials and trouble and change and conflict comes your way, know that God is working in and through circumstances in your life and in my life for His glory. God provides assurance that encourages faithful living from His people. But at this point in Jacob's life, Certainly natural for Jacob to wonder and to doubt. To wonder where God's hand was in this. To, to question whether or not God was really leading him to Egypt. After all, his grandfather Abraham had encountered great trouble in Egypt during another famine. Genesis chapter 12, verses 10 and following. And his father Isaac had been commanded by the Lord not to travel to Egypt during another famine. Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 and following. And so Jacob needs some assurance, he needs some encouragement, he needs some direction from God at this point in his life. And the very next portion of this story, God gives it. So let me invite you to turn your attention to chapter 46, verses 1 through 7. And there God's word reads this way. So Israel, remember Israel, another name for Jacob, a name God had given Jacob, set out with all that was his. And when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. And God spoke to Israel in a vision at night and said, Jacob, Jacob, here I am, he replied. I am God, the God of your father. He said, do not be afraid to go down to Egypt, for I will make you into a great nation there. I will go down to Egypt with you, and I will surely bring you back again, and Joseph's own hand will close your eyes. Then Jacob left Beersheba, and Israel's sons took their father Jacob and their children and their wives and the carts that Pharaoh had sent to transport him. So Jacob and all his offspring went to Egypt, taking with them their livestock and the possessions they had acquired in Canaan. And Jacob brought with him to Egypt his sons and grandsons and his daughters and granddaughters, all his offspring. Church, God provides his people with assurance of his promises and his presence. God provides his people, those who know him and call to follow him, people who are walking by faith in him, he provides them assurance of his promises and his faithfulness to his promises and his presence with them. After all, that is what's taking place right here in, in Jacob's life. Jacob senses that he's heard from God, but he questions and doubts. He wonders what this looks like for him. And so the Lord appears to him in a vision and says, Jacob, I, 
I'm with you. Go to Egypt. I'm going to make you into a great nation in Egypt. I will be with you. And for we believers who know the rest of the story, we know that God was leading Jacob and his descendants into Egypt to grow them into a people there, ultimately to deliver them by his miraculous hand from bondage in Egypt. Jacob's actions here, his response is commendable. And I think we can learn a great deal from it. I think there are three things that we can learn and apply in our own lives as people of faith in his God right here from Jacob's response. And the first is this, just like Jacob, we are called to obey the Lord. Obey the Lord. Chapter 46, verse 1. So Israel set out with all that was his. Didn't hesitate. That we know of right here. The story conveys that God used Joseph and his brothers and circumstances to lead Jacob to set out in faith to Egypt. And and he set out in faith. He obeyed. So likewise, church, whenever God's call and His will is clear for us. And we are called to obey Him. We must obey Him. We must be found faithful to Him. When His Spirit convicts us of sin, we must obey and repent, turning to Him. We must obey the Lord. Secondly, like Jacob right here, we're called to seek the Lord. Obey the Lord and seek the Lord. Verse 1, So Israel set out with all that was his obedience, and when he reached Beersheba, he offered sacrifices to the God of His father Isaac set out in obedience. And part of that obedience was worshiping God. He stopped and worshiped God in the very same place that his father Isaac and his grandfather Abraham had also worshiped God. And worship is submission to God. It's adoration and praise, but it's also a posture of seeking guidance, seeking direction from God. And and here Jacob seeks just such direction and the Lord speaks to him the Lord encourages him the Lord assures him so like Jacob we're called to obey the Lord we're called to seek the Lord and thirdly like Jacob we're called to continue obeying the Lord obey the Lord seek the Lord continue obeying the Lord now we know we don't obey the Lord simply to earn some position before God to earn right standing or favor with God no we We receive that through the blood of Christ by the grace of God, but we obey the Lord because He is the Lord, because He alone is God and He alone is sovereign. He alone rules and is worthy of our lives. He's worthy of our obedience. And He is a God who loves us deeply and has displayed His love for us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it is that love, that grace that He has shown us that motivates us, that compels us to obey Him. Obey the Lord, seek the Lord, continue obeying the Lord. For God provides assurance that encourages faithful living from His people. And in the final portion of this story, the final portion of this passage, we see that the fulfillment of God's promises strengthens the faith of His people. The fulfillment of God's promises strengthens the faith of his people. So in the next verses, verses 8 all the way through 25, we have this detailed genealogy of Jacob's descendants. And all the descendants of Jacob that traveled down to Egypt. Pick up the story in verse 26. All those who went to Egypt with Jacob, those who were his direct descendants, not counting his son's wives, numbered 66 persons. 
Verse 27, with the two sons who had been born to Joseph in Egypt, the members of Jacob's family, which went to Egypt, were 70 in all. And so remember back, as we've been tracking with this family, Abraham and Isaac and now Jacob and Joseph, as we've been following this journey, remember back to a conversation way back in Genesis chapter 15 between God and Abraham. Verse 5 of that chapter, God promised Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars in the heavens. And so right here in chapter 46, what is unfolding through this detailed list of descendants is the fulfillment of that promise. Though Abraham has died, though Isaac has died, the Abrahamic covenant that has to do with numerous descendants and a great nation developing is on its way to fulfillment. And as their descendants, the Israelites were experiencing difficult days in their own lives, perhaps during the time of wandering in the wilderness, awaiting entrance into the promised land, or during exile in Babylon, perhaps other difficult days that people of faith experienced, they could look back and read this story and recount God's faithfulness and be encouraged by it. And likewise, church, the circumstances in our own life are difficult or challenging. Desiring to hear from the Lord, to be affirmed by the Lord, to be assured of His direction and His faithfulness and His presence. We can look back at a story like this and know that God indeed has been faithful. So brothers and sisters, when you begin to doubt, when you begin to question, when you begin to get discouraged in, in your own faith, let me urge you to recount God's faithfulness to His plan. Recount God's faithfulness to his plan. The psalmist in Psalm 89 verse 9 asked a question of the Lord. He said, who, Lord God Almighty, is like you? Then he answered that question. He knew the answer to that question. He said, said, you, Lord, are mighty and your faithfulness surrounds you. In other words, God is a God whose faithfulness is part of who he is as part of his character he is always faithful god is always faithful and he has been faithful he has been faithful to the promises that he made to abraham and to isaac and to jacob promises that now affect the nations of the world through the spread of the gospel of jesus christ i want you to know church that that this book is not simply a collection of stories or wise sayings or Sound advice. There's plenty of that elsewhere to go around. But this is a book that recounts a story of redemption with a divine author that carefully crafted together by the creator of the universe. The one and only God wrote this story that we might know him and live for him as his people. He is a God who always keeps his promises. So. Let me urge you, as you read God's Word, as you spend time in God's Word, read the Bible with that storyline in mind. Recount God's faithfulness to His plan. And finally, friends, recall God's faithfulness to you. Recall God's faithfulness to you. The truth is that God is not just a God who is faithful to some. He's not just faithful to those who love him or who worship him or who obey him. He is a God who is faithful to all. He is always faithful. So how has God been faithful to you? How has God been faithful in your own life? 
Church, the God of the Bible is a God whose love is extravagant. A God whose, whose mercy is unmatched. He is a God who is working for our good. He is a God who provides assurance that encourages faithful living from his people. So though this world may appear in chaos, though at times your life may appear in chaos, know that he is still on the throne that He is still God, that He is still in control. And He has come once to save people from their sins on the cross of Calvary, and He will return to gather His people to enjoy and experience His presence for all of eternity. His plan is going according to plan. Let me ask you, have you entrusted your life to Him? Have you entrusted your life to the one and only God to write the story of, of your life? If so, though you may experience ups and downs, hurts and hardships, in the end, as a child of God, your life overall will be according to His plan. Father, we thank You for Your love for us. We thank You for your word that you have given us, that you have entrusted to us. Father, we thank you for the truths that are conveyed in it. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of knowing you, of walking with you, of experiencing forgiveness of sins through Christ. Lord, we thank you that you are a faithful God, that, that you will indeed do what you have said you will do. Father, we believe in the story of the scriptures, we believe in the message of the gospel. We believe that, that Jesus is coming again to gather his people, to enjoy his presence and to worship him for all of eternity. And Father, as your children, we look forward to the day. Father, lead us now as we respond to the truths of your word. May you lead us to respond collectively and individually to who you are and to express devotion to you and lives of worship and obedience to you. For your glory and our good, and it's in Christ that we pray and ask these things. Amen.